The process of landing investment banking job offers can often feel like a black box, which leads to confusion and anxiety for most of the candidates going through it. Hey, my name is Sam Shaw, and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. I've personally coached numerous students on how to successfully break into top-tier investment banks, including Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, JP Morgan, Centerview, Evercore, and PJT Partners, just to name a few. On this podcast, I'm going to help you demystify the investment banking recruiting process by sharing what the clients of Wall Street Mastermind have done to get results like these. Enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. My name is Sam Shaw and I'm the founder of Wall Street Mastermind. This is Wall Street Mastermind's Elevate program where we take our flagship coaching program and give it away for free to high potential students who are currently in a difficult financial situation. The goal of this show is to first and foremost give these students the coaching and guidance that they wouldn't be able to get otherwise and help them break into investment banking. Of course, we also want to give all of you an in-depth look at how to go about your own investment banking preparation process the right way so that you can model it after the same proven methodology and strategies that we've used to place over 90% of our students into investment banking across every single bulge bracket and elite boutique bank over the last several years. With hundreds of thousands of applicants competing to break into investment banking globally each year, our team only has the bandwidth to help a very small percentage of you. So my hope is that this show helps all of you, even if you aren't able to directly participate in our program and work with us. So let's get to it. In this session, we go through Shimona's answers for all the market-related questions that typically come up in investment banking interviews. For example, questions around macroeconomic or industry trends that you've been following, an investment banking deal that you find interesting, and stock pitch questions. All of these questions require you to diligently follow the markets and also come prepared with intelligent commentary about what's happening in the world. Sam Shaw here from the Wall Street Mastermind. We're back today with another session with Shimona, and uh, we are going to be doing the last part of her behavioral questionnaire today, where um, basically we're going to be going over the uh, market-related questions. So um, let me just pull up the document here on the screen. There you go. All right. Can you see that? Yeah. Okay. All right. So it's so basically, you know, for behavioral interviews, just so people have context, um, you know, they're they're sometimes going to ask you market related questions like talking about a specific industry trend, talking about something that's happening in the economy, talking about. Um, you know, a certain deal that you've been following, you know, um, and then like pitching stocks. And so these are all, I kind of lumped them all into the same category. So um, they're not like the most common questions, I would say, but they do come up. And uh, a lot of times people do a poor job at it. So let's just make sure that um, that, does, that doesn't happen to you. <laughs> so Let's uh let's go through let's see what you got here. So okay, tell me about something that's been happening in the markets and its impact on the economy. Okay, so um, an important current event is inflation. This will have an effect in many industries. One being M and A deal valuations. Okay, ever since the pandemic, interest rates were set extremely low to help prevent a recession and encourage customer uh, consumption. As the pandemic ends and the economy recovers, prices are starting to surge. As valuations are based on the future profits business are expected to generate, 
unforeseen inflation may reduce the real value of the future dollars taken in. Both buyers and sellers need to be wary as deal financing becomes more subjective. Buyers may either not offer as big of a deal in reluctance to what its actual value will be going forward. Sellers may also feel pressure to show that their rate of profit growth will outpace inflation. Based on the industry, companies may have skepticism and be stricter of their valuation standards going forward and finance their deals differently until inflation seems to level down. And many deals may be structured with more equity and reduced debt funding to stay away from increasing interest rates. Hmm, okay. Did was this based on like your research or how did you come up with this? Well, both. I think. Well, I did some research. Well, I wanted to. I, I don't know from the video I watched. Like, I wanted to relate it to MA just because it was like what I, I talk about in my other questions, and then some of it was like background, just econ knowledge. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, like, for example, this section, this section is based on your research. More or... subjective. Sorry. Um, both buyers. So the who cares? I I found from an article. Okay. Um, we're going, and then the last part was definitely well, definitely like the last sentence. Um, I I was going to ask you about that. I don't know if that changes how deals may be structured with the debt. Mm. So this is your conjecture? Basically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's, it's possible. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think shying away from debt because of rising interest rates, that makes sense. Um, structured with more equity, I'm not sure it necessarily has to be equity. Like it could also be cash, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you just don't want to use, okay. you know, because it, it's either cash debt or equity, but we're just saying less debt, but it could be okay. more of the either of the other two, right? Um, but I would say, yeah, I mean, inflation is definitely, a, you know, a hot topic right now. So I think it's, it's timely. Um, it's having an effect in many industries, one being and then idea of like, I don't think M and A deal valuations is an industry, right? So, okay. you know, we probably want to um, we probably want to rephrase this. Um, what you're really doing yeah. is you're trying to tie inflation back to M and A. Mm -hmm. um, so, having an effect in many industries. So like, just like this can have an effect on m and evaluations? Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to think like, if this is the most, like if you're gonna talk about inflation, I feel like, first of all, I understand why you're trying to tie it back to m and evaluations because you know, it's a banking interview, but it doesn't, like that's not the, first thing that I would think of when I think about inflation mm -hmm. like if, if I think about inflation I would expect if I'm the interviewer and someone's going to talk about inflation I would expect them to talk about more like its impact on the economy right okay. so like what happens if like you know prices keep going up like for example okay. you know it affects um I mean really it affects 
I think it affects like the people who don't have as much money, mm -hmm. right? Like the lower wage earners, their income's not increasing as quickly as the cost of all the goods that they have to buy. And so it actually hurts them the most. Like, mm -hmm. like, already yeah. rich. like it doesn't affect you that much because you can still afford everything. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and then I would probably talk about like, what the fed is doing mm -hmm. yeah related to inflation like you know yeah. like obviously they're watching inflation very closely um you know initially i think they said that they believe inflation the inflation right now is transitory mm -hmm. like one-time event because you know the pandemic but then i think gradually they've been changing their tone and saying that they now expect it to last a little bit longer mm -hmm. right i mean you did mention you didn't mm -hmm. kind of mention like interest rates and stuff like that, but like now the Fed is, uh, you know, expected to, they're expected to start raising interest rates and they're starting to taper uh, their bond purchases, right? Yeah. So I would talk about stuff like that and then like yeah. what happens if, like the who cares and, you know, your opinion and stuff like that. I would be talking about like what happens if inflation doesn't go back down. Yeah. Right? right now it's like basically the highest it's been in a long time and it's been multiple mm -hmm. months, multiple months in a row so i would like cite some statistics and then in terms of like your opinion like you should give an opinion on what is going to happen going forward with inflation right like yeah. do you think that this is going to be more of a permanent thing or do you think that the fed's going to be able to rein it uh kind of like rein it in or you know like that that's kind of the direction that i would that makes sense no for sure i think i think it's just because in my head i've like ingrained like tie it back to banking tie it back to banking but i yeah. guess that's why like when I, I i thought about like doing an overall economy kind of thing but then i was like tie it back to banking so i thought maybe m a um yeah but no and yeah so I, I understand why you did it um i think in this case like it's fine to not do that actually yeah because okay. what what they're what they're looking for with this question is like do you understand how the economy works and how everything interplays mm -hmm. together right yeah you just have to demonstrate that which yeah. i don't think this quite shows yeah quite shows it you know so okay. i'll go back and redo that okay okay all right let's look at the next one so talk to me about a trend that's been happening in the whatever industry you're interviewing for that you've been following. Um, one of the leading industries driving M&A deals is the tech industry. They began their strong drive during the pandemic, leading deals worth over $671 billion. The tech industry accounts for nearly a quarter of all M&A deals um, in the first half of the year. Example, Microsoft and Nuance um, for $19.7 billion. The tech industry has also has so far also had the largest year-over-year growth of any sector at 51.5%. What is, is this like what, overall revenue for the entire tech sector or? I think so. Um, Does that look incorrect? I, it's from an article. Um, but I have like, I can find the article because I have them all in a separate document, like cited. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'd be interested in seeing like how they define that because that seems really, really high, especially when you're looking okay. at like an entire industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't know. I, I would I would probably double check that to be honest. 
Um, but let me, let, me, let me see the rest of this. So many, yeah, and, and, and honestly, if we're not sure about this, then no. it's probably not really needed because it's, it, it's like a, almost seems like a just random factoid that we threw in there. I don't know like how relevant okay. to the actual trend that you're talking about, but anyway, let me see. So many businesses realized the importance of tech throughout the pandemic, which led to an increase in demand for tech integration and consolidation. This is important as large companies begin to move more and more into the sector. Many who don't will fall behind. Tech will, tech will slash has allowed many industries to broaden their scope and gain access into new markets and increasingly try to reduce the risk of economic downturns such as those caused by Bitcoin. Uh, tech has allowed many industries to broaden their scope and gain access to new markets. I'm not really sure what this sentence means. Uh, what are you trying to say? So tech has allowed many industries to broaden their scope and gain access into new markets and increasingly try to reduce the risk of economic downturns such as those caused by the pandemic. Hmm. Okay. Um, I think the tech industry has great potential into the future. I think this will not only shape the direction of markets and customer preference, but also the job market. Demand for tech-related jobs only continue to increase and demand for tech-related majors such as CompSci and data analytics will only continue to grow. Um, I don't know, this answer to me feels a little bit disjointed. Like, you know, I know we have this framework here. It's like, what is the trend? Why is it happening? You know, who will care about it? And like, what is your opinion about it? But I feel like the four, how should I say this? It doesn't all seem like they're, the four parts are all related to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like, 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 like you start by talking about m and like how, okay, there's tech is driving the majority of the M&A deals that's happening. And then I guess this is why, this is the why. Mm. Trying to think. Maybe the real issue is like, this isn't, mm, Maybe it's the trend itself. Like, I feel like this is, so what this question is getting at is more like, it's more like showing like, you know something about a certain industry. In this, in this case, you pick tech, right? So mm-hmm. like saying a lot of MA, MA deals is happening. Like, I feel like that's more of a, um it's not like it's not about the tech industry it's not like a tech trend does that make sense it's almost like like what's happening in the m&a sector overall so like an example of a tech trend might be like um you know let's say like SaaS, like software as a service right Mm -hmm. before like Initially, when SaaS became a thing, a lot of SaaS companies started out as horizontal SaaS companies, which is, which means like 
you know, like salesforce.com is the most famous SaaS company, right? And they basically make software for like sales teams. Um, but it's sales software across, for like any industry, right? Whether you're whatever company, whatever company or whatever industry your company is in, it, it, it can all, uh, they can all use Salesforce, right? Whereas now a lot of SaaS companies are trending more towards vertical SaaS, which is like, they build their software for a very specific vertical, right? So for example, um, and my friend that I was hanging out with yesterday, like he started a SaaS company and they build software just for freight forwarders, right? And it's very specific or like someone else, like, you know, they, they, they build software for trucking companies. Like, so it's like for a very specific vertical and obviously, when they do that, the addressable market is a lot smaller because they can't go after every single industry. But the benefit is that they can build like very specific products or like very specific features for the needs of that industry because every industry has different needs, right? So like, mm -hmm. for example, that would be, that I just like, that's just off the top of my head. Like that would be like a tech trend, right? Or you could say like, um, I don't know, like if you want to talk about like the pandemic and- mm -hmm. So even like e-commerce, is that too broad? Like the expansion of e-commerce? Um, just like basically people shifting from buying in brick and mortar to shopping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that can be a trend, but I also think that that trend is- like it's been happening for a while and it's kind of like a little bit too obvious yeah you know so it's like ideally you pick a trend that's a little a little yeah you seem more knowledgeable i guess yeah yeah so um okay i think like if you just like usually when, when you research this, uh, this question, like you could just Google like 2021 mm -hmm. technology trends or something. Yeah. Right? Or if you want to talk about like the, the impact that the pandemic has, at, uh, ha has had on tech, then maybe it's something about, I don't know, like remote work and how a lot of companies started allowing remote work during the mm -hmm. pandemic. And then now that the pan, even after the pandemic is, uh, you know, we have vaccines now and it's starting to get better. Like a lot of companies are still keeping it just re fully remote or they're allowing their employees to continue to work remote if they want to, right? Like, I mean, yeah. at least a lot of tech companies are. Um, and so maybe like tying that back somehow, like, I don't know, like that's probably good for um, certain tech companies like, uh, you know, Zoom obviously did very well during the pandemic, but like there's other companies like, you know, Slack and uh, even Microsoft, right? They have Microsoft Teams, like mm -hmm. all the tools that allow people to work together while not being in the same place, like they're probably going to benefit from this trend, right? Which is yeah. probably here to stay. I don't know. That's just like another example. Of yeah. Head, but you, you get the gist though, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I'm glad. That's why you give the feedback. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. Okay, cool. Um, oh, and then I think just like, well, so if you were like an interviewer, for example, so specifically like when you do this kind of research, um, it's possible too that the research, the, the interviewer will ask you a lot more about the industry, right? So I'm thinking like you have to do a lot of research, right? To back up everything you say. Um, or yeah, I mean, they, they can certainly ask you follow up questions about whatever trend it is that you tell them. So, okay. you know, yeah, you do want to, you, you, you do want to be prepared. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, I, I think, I think really what you're saying is like, you're probably going to do more research than just what you put in your initial answer, right? Like you probably won't, you, you don't have to, you don't have to say everything all at once because also like you don't want your answer to be too long. But if you actually withhold some of the stuff, then like when they ask you follow-up questions, you actually have more stuff to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that helps with confidence too, rather than like, oh, I hope he doesn't ask me. I hope he doesn't ask me, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's generally not a good yeah. thing, so. <laughs> yeah um okay cool so let's keep going uh tell me about a deal in uh the same industry that you've been following what's interesting about it one of the biggest many deals has surged this year what do you mean by surged because um i i like i did all of it and then i don't know but i feel i think it it hasn't there there's like a lot of now like government intervention with it so then i put i i, I think i like just put search just because i think it didn't officially close i thought it had mm. well regardless of whether it's closed yeah. or not like surge just is a weird usage in this context i feel yeah. like like surge sounds like i don't know their stock price has been surging or something you know like okay 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 um I would just say one of the biggest online deals that has uh, happened okay. this year. It's Amazon's acquisition of MGM for $8.5 billion. Their Amazon second biggest acquisition following Whole Foods in 2017. Okay. I think companies such as Netflix and Disney will continue to grow. Amazon wanted to expand its cinematic presence and become a strong competitor. Amazon had previously tried to launch Amazon Studios a decade ago, but failed to develop its own movies and shows. The deal had an equity value of $6.5 billion and a debt was a total of $8.45 billion, 37 times projected EBITDA. Um, 37 times. What was there? Hold on. Shop changes. Um, which comes out to a 37 times EBITDA multiple. <clears throat> Many other companies such as Apple and Comcast have valued it at about $6 billion. However, Amazon claimed that the reason for the higher valuation was from all the plans to create new content using MGM's stable of intellectual property. So how do we know this? Like this was, they actually reported this? Yeah, well, they had they had thought about acquiring MGM and they valued it at that about like a year or two ago. Oh, it was a year or two before Amazon. Yeah. Okay, uh, I would say 
Yeah, yeah. Not many. There aren't that many companies that can afford this type of acquisition, right? So several other companies, including I valued MGM about six billion dollars. Um, just a year or two ago. Because this, this this sounds like they valued it. If if you don't clarify, this sounds like they valued it at six billion dollars this time, and then Amazon decided to pay, you know. Okay. And and also, is this six billion enterprise value or or market cap? Do you know? I think enterprise value, but I'll just go back and check. Check, of course. Okay, so you're comparing this. So, so the apples to apples comparison here is six versus eight point four five. Okay, so 8.45, 37x. So their EBITDA is about $228 million. Is that, is that right? MGM's. That's what the, yeah, I guess so. But I should definitely make sure the numbers check. Yeah, I, 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 will, I will confirm that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> However, Amazon currently losing for the high valuation. Was from all the kinds of claiming companies in engine stable of intellectual property. Okay. Like people ask them why they pay so much. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of debate about why they paid. A lot of people think it was overvalued. Um, but yeah. And then like I go on to it, I think, into my opinion of like why it isn't. Okay. Oh, rallied from what I researched. Uh, the acquisition is likely to help Amazon attract even more Prime subscribers as Prime Video service competes with the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus. Other companies such as AT and T have also recently tried to become part of the media business. Tried to become part of the media business. Warner Media merger discovery at forty-three billion dollars to create the world's second largest media firm. Uh, by revenue outside Disney. Okay, has also recently tried to, I wouldn't say become part of the media, but I would say other companies such as AT&T have also recently tried um, to enter into yeah, okay. I recently tried to enter into the media business. Okay. Warner Media is owned by AT&T? Yes, I think. Okay. So we'll just make that clear because otherwise it sounds like different companies. Yeah. Warner Media merged discover $43 billion to get yep. $7. Okay. Amazon is already in the cinematic industry. I don't think this is too far off the radar of interest. Um, too far off the radar of interest. Mm. I would probably just, I don't know, that sounds kind of weird. I would just say, I think this was a very logical acquisition for them. They have also had success merging with companies such as Whole Foods because of their ability to respect their target company's values, which is a concern back when they first acquired Whole Foods. Um, 
from this, uh, let's come back to this. I think we need to tweak that sentence. From this, I think a lot of the skepticism about Amazon and GM not having the same culture won't be a problem. And GM has had trouble for years. Starting in 2010, when it almost fell for bankruptcy, as it has searched for a new strategy, Amazon offers them a new start and a lot of financial support that they will need to grow. I think this is a small acquisition for Amazon as they spent 11 billion last year and 7 billion the year before in the video sector. This kind of really helped them take advantage <clears throat> and make a bigger name for themselves. Um, allowing Amazon Prime members to have exclusive access on James films could be very profitable as this was for Disney when they pulled out of Netflix and became, huh? Disney pulled out of Netflix and became independent as, what, what does this mean? As Disney Plus. But what do you mean by they pulled out of Netflix? Um, like they took out a lot of their movies, their Disney movies, and they became a separate. Oh, they pulled their content. Yeah. And became independent. Okay, so. Furthermore, the video streaming market is set to quadruple between 2020 and 2028, hitting $224 billion. Okay, again, there's, there's a lot of good thoughts here, but I think we need to like okay. organize it better to make it flow more. So, mm -hmm. um, um, something that also came up with like a lot of these things, especially with going with numbers, um, I'm guessing the more you stick to one article, the better, I guess, because like all of like, like the numbers might match, but I was just, it's just like sometimes between different articles, um, numbers are slightly different. Yeah. So what do you recommend for that? Is that something like that's, do you know what I mean? Um, because a lot of them, especially like, so, I mean, I don't know specifically like, I mean, a lot of them will like show graphs and like support their content, but they don't necessarily have the same, they don't get to those numbers the same way, I guess. And sometimes they're slightly bit off. Um, so I don't know, like when you- I, I, when I, would you need, I, I would need to see like a specific example of like what numbers you're comparing. Uh, it's, okay. hard, it's hard for me to comment just by hearing your description right now. Cause I don't, I don't know, like it, it could be that yeah, I don't know. There, there could be different reasons for that, you know, okay. like depending on what the number is, right? Like, so like, do you- I guess yeah. my question is like, when you go into like researching these things, it's fine to go through a variety of sources or is it better to have fewer and just more direct content? Um, It's fine to go th through multiple sources, but you, yeah, again, like if you're gonna quote a number, it depends, right? Like if it's, yeah, if it's, if it's like, if the numbers are similar enough, then maybe it's not a huge deal, depending on what, what the, what, what the number is. But I think if you're not sure, you should just, you can send me like the different articles that you're looking at in Slack and then just ask me what I think. I think that's probably like easier, you know, because otherwise it's hard for me to, I don't know. So I feel like I'm not really answering your question right now, but I, I really don't know because I don't know. Yeah. What, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, is yeah. it? Are you? Are you like looking? Are, are they giving like different deal values or you know? No, that I checked those three different ones. I mean, even like so, some of them said like eight point four five. Some of them said like eight point five. That's fine. That's just rounding. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. But I think I think my well maybe something I had or like also just when you help other students. So like especially like with deals like this, it's just like sometimes not to have an idea of like how big these kinds of things are, how big these kinds of like deals are or how big like they are in the industry. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, just to like. Was that a question or uh, I'm not? Um, no, not, I'm trying not, to I'm trying to formulate my question. Um, no. I think it's just like, especially like for these questions where some of them, like, I know I put in numbers because you always talk about how like it's better to put in numbers. Of course, like if you can justify the number. But um, as they said, spent- like having an opinion on whether a 37x multiple is a lot or, or, or not. that. Yeah, much. things like that. That's just more like research based. Yeah, so I think like if you you should try to have an opinion on you know whether they overpaid or underpaid, right? But usually the the way you would do that is you have to look at like other similar deals that have been done, mm-hmm. so like precedent transactions, for example, yeah. or other like trading comps so like mm-hmm. i don't know who mgm trading comp is but there's probably other like companies mm-hmm. that are similar to mgm that are publicly traded stocks and then you can see like okay what is their current enterprise value what is their current ebitda and what is their ebitda multiple right yeah. like if, if everyone else is only trading at i don't know 20 times ebitda and then like amazon paid 37 times then that seems a bit excessive right now mm-hmm it's not like just purely looking at comps. So like, of course you can still argue that first of all, Amazon paid more, like usually in an acquisition, you're going to pay a premium because Mm -hmm. if you're not paying a premium, there's no reason for the target company to actually sell themselves to you. Right. And so that's the control premium. But then also secondly, like you can talk about synergies, which you kind of like, I think we're kind of trying to do, but Mm -hmm. you didn't use the word synergy. So you can say like, like when you talked about how Amazon spent $11 billion and $7 billion years, uh, the year before, is this the mm-hmm. Amazon Studios thing? Or I don't know. Actually, you said that was a, a decade ago, so maybe not. But like when you say they spent $18 billion in the video sector, mm-hmm. like, I'm not really sure what that means. Is that like, are they buying content? Are they buying rights to the content for Amazon Amazon Prime Video? Or, you know, like mm-hmm. what are um that's i i didn't honestly know that either i put it in um that was like one of the justifications that i found itself but i also questioned that i wasn't sure if that was like for advertising for like the videos themselves that they're doing um i'm if i had to guess it would be that um it would be that they paid that for the rights to the content rights Mm -hmm. have the content on uh amazon prime yeah right but i think like really like this whole thing like your point the point that i think you're trying to make um and and even here the who cares 
um, is that whether it's Netflix or Disney with Disney Plus or Amazon, Amazon Prime Video, for these types of companies, it, it's, it, it comes down to who has the best content, right? Like people mm -hmm. are going to go to, people are going to pay for the service with the best shows and the best movies and whatever, right? Mm -hmm. That's why like that content is valuable. That's why Disney pulled all of their content and then like formed their own Netflix competitor. Netflix also spends, I don't know, like tens of billions of dollars every year probably on buying content for their platform. Like you can find that information just with like a quick Google search or like, you know, it's in their financial statements, it's in their SEC filings. Mm -hmm. um, so you can talk about how like to win in this industry, it really just comes down to content, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why like, and you can say, you know, content, I don't know, content prices keep going up. And so even though this seems expensive today, in the future, you know, it'll probably more than pay for itself. Or you can talk about, um, I don't know, like if Amazon already has like uh, maybe maybe they get maybe MGM gets folded into Amazon Prime Video and there's you know cost synergies, mm -hmm. right? There's cost synergies because there's some redundancies and they can cut costs and the 220 whatever whatever we calculated earlier the implied EBITDA of like 220 million dollars mm -hmm. could actually be a lot could could actually be a lot higher once you factor in like all the cost all all the costs that you're gonna cut out right for mm -hmm. like that's that's kind of like the direction that i think i would go in like i think this is a good um i think this is a good deal to talk about mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of the points that you make are solid but like the biggest thing is like the opinion section i think we just like probably want to be a bit more organized because right now it seems like you're just taking a lot of different ideas and just kind of like slapping them together <laughs> yeah. right yeah versus um like you you, you don't you, you don't even necessarily have to do that you don't have to have all these different talking points you can mm -hmm. really just have like one and go deep on that right yeah yeah i think i just didn't know how to go about it so i was like maybe you'll give me feedback on like what makes the most sense so i just kind of throw everything there which i kind of do with the pitch deals as well by the way but um okay yeah um so i think if we try to like organize this a little bit better so there's a very logical acquisition for them um you know and then we can say like um we can talk about the good the, the reasons why you think it's good first and then address kind of like what the detractors are saying right mm -hmm. so for example this is more addressing what the detractors are saying um let's see this is more from mgm standpoint let's just break this up real quick um So we can start from the macro level, right? So okay. we'll say 
I'll leave with this. I think there's a very large algorithm for them. Uh, first and foremost, the video streaming market is set to collapse between 2020 and 2028, um, hitting $200.4 billion. And so, A mm. so you can add a lot of growth for Amazon, even at their current scale, All right? Because they're already so big, it's hard to grow when you're so big. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and then let's talk about it from Amazon's standpoint first. Um, and then we can say, given we already said it's logical, so we don't have to repeat this here. So, given Amazon has already spent. Uh, upwards of $18 billion to purchase video content in the last couple of years. Have them take advantage and make a bigger name for themselves. Um, I don't really know what that means. It's kind of vague. Like, take advantage of what, you know? So, I might take that as a given Amazon. Terry spent upwards of $18 billion to purchase video content uh, in the last couple of years. This um, is really just a continuation of that. Um, and gives Amazon more exclusive content through MGM's phones so that they can compete with companies or other services like Netflix and Disney Plus, something like that. Um, or actually, things are a logical. First of all, most video streaming market is set to quadruple between 2020 and 2028, $224 billion. So it can add a lot of growth for Amazon, even at their current scale. Um, but to win in this market, it comes down to. But in order to win in this market, it comes down to who has access to the best content because that's what 
it's going to attract subscribers. Right. This is why Disney pulled all of its content off of Netflix and started Disney Plus. I don't know when it was. Was it like last year or something? I think so. Maybe two years ago. Yeah, so you can check that. Yep. Um, given Amazon. It's also uh, has spent upwards of eighteen million dollars to purchase real company in the last couple of years. In order to keep up. And this is really just continuation of that. This is one of the most exclusive content to MGM's films so that they can compete. Um, remain, we don't have to say Netflix and Disney Plus again because we already kind of said it here. Remain competitive in this space. Um, And then, we'll, and then we can talk about MGM, right? From MGM's standpoint, this selling to Amazon also makes sense. MGM has had trouble for years, starting in 2010, and almost off for bankruptcy. Has a search for a new strategy, Amazon offers them a new start, and a lot of the financial support that they need to grow. Um, There is also likely um, there's also likely I want to talk about synergies. Um, there's also cost energies and possibly even revenue synergies that can be extracted from a deal like this. Hmm. Um, two large businesses Done and there's a cost energies and possibly even running synergies that can be extracted. Um, actually, I'm not sure about running synergies. There might be, but I just don't know enough about it. Um, so let's just let's just sorry. I said I can look into it to talk yeah. about synergies. Um, okay. There's also cost synergies that can be extracted from a deal like this one, two large and combined and maybe going cost, which would make MGM uh, which would make the
which will bring down the affected multiple paid. Um, well, what I'm saying is like, you know, if their EBITDA increases because of the synergies, then instead of saying they paid 37 times EBITDA, that multiple probably comes down because now their EBITDA is higher. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, some detractors would argue that I think this is the risk, right? Then we lastly we address the risk. So some detractors will argue that um, Amazon and MGM. have very different cultures and uh, integrating MGM into integrating MGM will be difficult, but Amazon has shown through its Whole Foods acquisition that Also, but this was also a concern when Amazon acquired Whole Foods and they have shown that they are able to um, respect target companies values and essentially keep the running as a, as a standalone business. Okay. Yep. Let's see how that reads. Um, one of the biggest only deals that's happened this year. So I'm, I'm using all the same points that you use. I just... Yeah. Re, re, mm -hmm. re ordered it so that yep. it flows better, right? One of the biggest selling deals that's happened this year is Amazon acquisition of MGM for $8.5 billion. Their Amazon's second biggest acquisition following Whole Foods in 2017. As media companies such as Netflix and Disney continue to grow, Amazon wanted to expand its cinematic presence, become a strong competitor. Amazon previously tried launching Amazon Studios a decade ago, but failed to develop its own hit movies and shows. Beyond an equity value of $6.5 billion in Devil's. Um, and with debt was a total of 8.45 billion. Um, let's just say an, an enterprise value of $8.5 billion. Which comes out to a 37 time EBITDA multiple. Several other companies, including Apple and Comcast, have value MGM at about $6 billion just a year or two ago. Um, which has caused some to say that Amazon overpaid. However, Amazon's, Amazon claimed that the reason for the higher valuation was from all the plans to create new content using MGM stable intellectual property. Um, claimed, which it has stated. 
The acquisition is likely to help Amazon attract even more prime subscribers because its primary data service competes with the likes of Netflix and Disney Plus. Um, other companies such as AT&T have also recently tried to enter into the media business. When it's Warner Media Merchant Discovery of uh, 42 billion uh, at, let me say four, 43 billion dollars to create the world's second largest media fund by revenue outside of Disney. Um, but Amazon's already in the same ad industry. Is this the right word? Uh, given that Amazon, let's just say, Media. has already made large investments in this space. I think this is a very logical acquisition for them. First and foremost, video streaming market is set to quadruple in 2020, 2028, hitting $224 billion. And so it can add a lot of, it can, um, still add a lot of growth to Amazon, even at their current scale. Um, but in order to win in this market, it comes down to who has access to the best content. And that's what's going to, because that's what's going to attract subscribers. This is why Disney pulled all of this content off of Netflix and started Disney Plus last year. It's also why Amazon spent upwards of $18 billion to purchase video content in the last couple of years in order to keep up. And this is really just a continuation of that and gives Amazon more exclusive content through MGM's films so that they can remain competitive in this space. From MGM's standpoint, it's found that Amazon also makes sense. MGM has had trouble for years. Starting in 2010, when it almost fell for bankruptcy, as it has searched for a new strategy, Amazon offers them a new start and a lot of financial support that they would need to grow. There's also costing that can be extracted from a deal like this when two large businesses combine and remove the redundant costs, which would bring down the effective multiple um, which would bring down, which would further bring down the, the effective multiple. Some detractors will argue that Amazon and GM have very different cultures and that integrating MGM will be difficult, but this is also a concern for Amazon acquire Whole Foods. And I think they have shown that they're able to respect their target company's values and essentially keep it running almost as a standalone business. Um, Okay. And then lastly, we can probably say, last but not least, within Amazon's strong balance sheet. This was a deal that Amazon could easily afford. <clears throat> both sides something like that yeah yeah that's a lot better for sure cool yeah all right let's look at your pitch um pitch me two socks you like stock one Lululemon, I think a company that is currently doing very well in the market is Lululemon Athletica. Reason one, for starters, the sports apparel market in the U.S. is valued at 105.1 billion. Billion, billion yeah. I don't know value that, but it's just like, is this what it is today? Yeah. Okay. 
um, is we don't need the point one. It's too. It's too like yeah. But approximate is fine. The sports apparel market in the U.S. is one hundred one hundred and five billion dollars today, and is expected to grow to three hundred fifty four billion dollars by twenty twenty six. Holy crap, really? It's going to triple. Um, so it's going yeah. to triple in like five years. That's what the article said. Okay. Like, I'm not pulling these numbers off of like random. Yeah, sure. Um, so it's a, um, which is a Kager of yeah, almost 30%. All right. Um, this is greatly due to large increase in fitness conscious consumers who have adapted sportswear into the, their day-to-day -day lives. Um, largely, not greatly. This is largely due to the, um, largely due to the large increase, um, I should say significant increase in finish conscious consumers okay um lulu lemon is one of they're pretty much a market leader right considered market leader in this space and stands to benefit from this growth the most. Okay, so that's reason one. Then reason two, Lululemon has grown in the past decade largely due to its close culture with their customers. Close culture? No, that's kind of a weird adjective. What, what are you trying to say here? Um, okay, I guess they're like um, direct, um, their direct like attention to customers. Direct attention to customers. I'm so not. Like they, they keep like their business very like to a specific like kind of customer base. And then like, then I say like they have little advertising. Well, okay. Yeah. So um, uh, I guess they, they go directly to like the their customers' needs. Okay. Let me read the rest of your reason. Maybe I'll understand what you're trying to say. So. For example, they focus very well on advertising and respond to how customers interact with their products in their stores. Uh, they have also successfully broken into the athleisure movement from the, their high quality brand that pushes consumers to not only wear their clothes for sports, but also in their normal day to day. Um, finally, they are not wasteful and by making their inventory so scarce they're able to sell 95% of their inventory. Hmm. Um, let me read your third reason. Lululemon Athletica is operating margin 19.62%, which ranks better than 94% of companies in the industry retail and cyclical. 
Is this from an article you read? Yeah. Okay. Let's just say in the retail industry. There are a lot of skeptics running rooms overvalued from the pandemic's help in boosting their sales. So running overvalued? What do you mean Lululemon's over? Oh, that they are overvalued currently? Yeah. That's what, well, that's what a lot of the articles said, that they think it's overvalued. Okay, so I would say, I think this point around margin profitability is more related to your second, is more related to your second point. So you like, your second point, I think we just tweak this to say like, they're very efficient with their cost structure. I think is what you're trying to say. At least that was my takeaway from it. So say like Lululemon has grown in the past decade, largely due to its um, Can I say like due to its ability to create almost a cult like following? Um, Customers are very loyal. As a result, they are able to spend very little on advertising and customer acquisition. Also, they have also successfully built into the athletic movement. Um, this feels like more like a argument about their growth, which I think we touch on in reason three. So I'm gonna move this down. We'll come back to that. But for the, for the second reason, let's just like, so first point is like the size of the market, right? It's a great market. Second reason is like, they're more profitable than other companies because one, they can spend less on advertising and acquiring customers. And then, um, their inventory management, uh, is also top notch. As they 
sell 95% of their inventory. Is this like every year or for the last year or, you know, I don't know. I'll check. Okay. I, I don't, I'll check. I can't say. I just said, it historically sold 95% of their inventory. Um, I don't know, sold or sold out. Sold 95% of their inventory. Um, due to these reasons, blue lemons operating margin is 19.60%, we'll just call that 20%. 20%, which ranks better than 94% of companies in the retail industry. Okay. Um, this is probably more of a, I would probably move this down to risk, right? Like people, another risk is like people think it's overvalued maybe, right? But here I'll just focus on the positive. So um, last but not least, Blue Lemon has just started, um, has just started to expand to men's clothing and apparel and has yet to see the momentum. Um, has yet to see the momentum. Mm. which provides them with another huge growth opportunity that is still currently untapped. Although some people think um, Although some people think, oh, I guess you already talked about the valuation here. So, although some people think Lululemon is overvalued, trading at about ten times trailing revenue compared to six times from uh, just six times from Nike, Lululemon's top line growth, top line grew sixty one percent year over year. Um, in this recent quarter. compared to just 16%. Obviously that's because Nike is much bigger, right? Nike's like mm -hmm. 1.2 billion versus 1.5 is almost like 10X bigger. Yeah. We don't have to mention that because um, compared to 16% for Nike and in the current market investors, um, actually, I'm going to incorporate this here. Last but not least, Lululemon has also successfully building the athletic movement. In the high quality brand that pushes consumers to not only wear their clothes for sports, but also in their normal day to day lives. 
additionally. So both of these are like different growth opportunities for them, right? One is going to the athleisure market. The other one is expanding into the men's market, right? Mm -hmm. So this whole point is about growth, right? Um, is likely sustainable and in the current market environment unless it's willing to pay for that growth. Okay. Um, I think the number one risk is Lululemon's niche-based products. Most of its market is owned by women's wear, whereas other companies such as Nike have a Expansive range of products for all genders and ages. Lululemon is finding further growth if it does not also expand its product based on more audiences. But then this is kind of like contrary to what we're saying up here. Right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because pandemic, let me see. So I'm mitigating factors. Because of pandemic, push sales to high. Push sales so high from individuals trying to increase physical activity from home. This could lead Lululemon to believe they can continue to sales going forward, but I think they need to do something different to keep them up post pandemic. E commerce is for example, comprised 52% total revenue in fiscal 2020. So, mitigating factor is supposed to like address whatever risk factor you bring up here. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So, this seems like you're just bringing up another risk factor so either <clears throat> and i think this also goes contrary to what we set up here because we're saying like you know they're growing they're going into men's and they're going mm -hmm. into these other markets right so one way you could tweak this is you can say um <clears throat> obviously as lululemon expands into these new markets um there's always a risk that they might not be as successful in the men's market as they have been in the women's market. Okay. Yeah. Right. That could be the risk. Mm -hmm. But then like if you use that as a risk, you need to have like a counter or like a mitigating mm -hmm. factor, which is like, however, I, I don't think this is a huge okay. concern because yeah. I don't know, because they've been able to expand into different markets successfully before, as mm -hmm. seen through XYZ examples, or if you wanna use the pandemic thing as the risk, then you can just replace this and say, you know, one potential risk is that um, Lululemon got a big boost during the pandemic from, you know, all these people trying to increase their physical activity from home. So mm -hmm. as the pandemic goes away, you know, it remains to be seen if their sales will come back down. Mm -hmm. right? um, and then like, if you do that, then the mitigating factor for that would be, however, I don't think this is a huge concern because, you know, again, they're already expanding to all these different markets, which should help sustain that growth, like something along those lines, yeah. right? And then like this seemed kind of random to me, like I wasn't sure why you included this 
you know, factoid in here, like 52%. Mm -hmm. Like it, it didn't, didn't really seem to have anything to do with what you were saying here, you know? Does, okay. that, does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess I was saying like that boosted their sales, that it was like e-commerce based. Um, for the pandemic, but yeah. Okay. So what was it before? If it's 52%. Okay. So I, yeah, a comparison. I, I would just make that more clear, right? Like, yeah. Like okay. if it was only 20% before and now it's 52% and like when pandemic goes away, like is that going to mm -hmm. go away or does that just go back to in-store? Like, you know, mm -hmm. probably 52% mm -hmm. because people are afraid of going out and they don't yeah. want to travel in-store, right? But that might not necessarily be a bad thing. It's like... Mm -hmm these companies, like they want to grow their e-commerce channel, right? If more of their sales shifts to online, that actually saves them money because they don't have mm -hmm. to have like all these physical locations, right? Make sense? Yeah. Okay. So I would like- Pick, okay. Rework, rework this part. Um, went the wrong way. This one's not very like um, numbers based. Consciousness toward buying more eco-friendly buying habits continues to expand. There has been a growing demand for systems. Are they public? Yeah, they just went public. Like less than a week, like no, like October 21st. Okay. When the one is a company that provides design dresses, clothing accessory rentals, services through stores online, directly through fast fashion consenting around customer development, reuse clothing apparel that don't continue increased. The increase of extreme clothing consumption. It was the first ever IPO with a female CEO, CFO, and COO. One issue could be a lack of marketing. Um, spend less than ten percent of the total revenue on marketing. Being a relatively new company, we struggled throughout the pandemic finding as many consumers were not willing to spend as much in fashion while staying indoors because eight percent transaction in the fashion industry happening in person stores. Industry itself pointed by 34% in a month to start the pandemic. Data is must really, it's probably a typo. They must really focus on their success around the e-commerce model, make sure it stays as efficient as possible. Yeah, so again, I think like you misunderstood yeah. what mitigating factors are, right? Again, so that's like addressing the risk that you brought up. But yeah. in general, yeah, like I think your Lululemon pitch is way stronger. Like yeah. these aren't really like, super strong reasons for someone to buy a stock mm -hmm. you know? like it's just okay yeah it's nice they're eco-friendly and then like so what like what yeah. why do you think the stock is so yeah. right also to you right it's better to have like a company that has more numbers to show mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i would probably just like yeah. pick a new example instead of yeah. play um but I mean, in most instances, if your first stock pitch is good enough, you most likely won't need a second one. But I just mm -hmm. have you guys prepared too because sometimes I yeah. have some people ask for two. So, you know, yeah. this is not like, yeah, it's a nice to have, I guess. Let's put it that mm -hmm. way. Okay. Let's look at the last one. So, what questions you got? Okay. This one should be easy. So, about the interviewer. Oh, this is, this is nothing. Right? This is just, are these examples that we gave you? I don't remember. No. Okay. 
How how is your background in X helped you throughout your career so far? Have you dealt with high pressure to stress your job? Uh, I don't like this question. Okay. It, it makes it seem like you're worried about how stressful the job is or whatever. Okay. You know? Um, how is the analyst performance measure? What are qualities you think most others? Um, oh, just that second part is fine. Um, how long do you normally get to work on a deal? How long do analysts normally? Is this a good? Is this an okay question? I don't know about this. It doesn't really make well, sense. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. I don't know what that means. Like how like, long? I meant to expand it with the next one. Do analysts usually get to see the whole deal through or move on to different ones in a short period? Um, no, you'll usually see the whole deal through. So this, okay. I don't think this is a great question, but okay. I would say, um, okay. Well, I know there's like a ton of examples of different. Yeah, we'll probably need to think yeah. of a different one here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Any questions? No, just concern. Um, just concern, but definitely all the feedback is really helping. Um, yeah. In terms of like, I just concern and like clearly, like I just need more like practice and knowing how to like structure my sentences and like my deals. Just because I don't, of course, like it's very competitive and so, um, so um, yeah, just concerned and like thinking that maybe I knew how to answer them, but now having your feedback just going forward. Um, I don't know, would you recommend just like going through, like being able to go through different deals and like, I guess definitely like read more news articles and seeing how people talk about them. I was trying to watch like videos of like stock pitch competitions to see how people like actually talk about deals um but um, yeah concern i think i'm just concerned but i'll just i'll definitely work on that coming yeah I, I think you're fine i think you know these questions inherently are tricky especially like when it's the first time you're doing it and most people aren't very good at it so like you're not alone in and mm. feeling the way you feel when it comes to answering these questions but that's what we're working on it right and like now that you've seen me go through them and you know show you my thought process like um hopefully you're trying to get the hang of it but like you also don't need to know a bunch of different deals like you just need to know one or two deals really really well and be able to talk or be, be able to deliver that answer well and i think you're you're pretty close to getting there you just you, you just have to rework some of these things based on what we mm -hmm. talked about right yeah so okay um, okay. And then once you once you reworked it, like you know, we can take another look at it or whatever. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I just had there were like I've been looking at different like behavioral questions to kind of um, just think about like how I can reward them. There were two specific ones that I just wanted like your so there's one that's like name a global event which um, you think would change financial markets. Um, I don't know like of course like Evergrande is something big that has happened recently? Is that something that maybe like, it was just general, like I'll go into it and I'll practice, but is that okay? Do you think? Evergrande yeah. is, is, is a valid um, yeah. market event to talk about. Um, okay. I think even your inflation answer could okay. work that question too. Yeah. 
you know? So it's yeah. like, you could just reuse that answer too, if you want. Okay. The thing with everyone is like, I haven't been following it close enough to mm-hmm. know, but like, I think the gist of it is like, there's a lot of these real estate companies in China that have been cooking their books for yeah. years, right? And you would think that that would, I don't know, like I've read, read some people that are very pessimistic and basically think like, like a financial yes yeah, yeah. bring down the entire market but then like so far it doesn't seem like mm-hmm. it happened and it's not mm-hmm. a speaker anymore and so i don't know why the market didn't seem to care this time you know yeah okay and then the only other one um it was i wrote it here which was oh it was discuss a time when you've gathered relevant information and what did you do and how was it helpful that was such a i don't know what that means like would that be like a research project where you've gathered a lot of relevant information? Um, I don't know what an interviewer would look for with that, or like maybe how you can put different like ideas together. Can I repeat the question again? It was um, discuss a time when you had to gather relevant information. What did you do, and what was the end result? I think that could be like. I don't know, like anytime you worked on like a school project, yeah. you had to research, okay. you had to research something or you did a case competition or, okay. you know, they just, I think they just want to hear like your process or like how you go about like tackling uh, a new project with, okay. without having all the information that you need, right? And okay. it's like you had to go out and find whatever information you actually needed, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Those were the two, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. Okay, cool. So I'll send you back this document um, and then, yeah, just let me know if you have any questions. Okay, um, I think, can I, I, I don't think you sent me the, the ones we did last time either. Oh, I didn't? No. Okay, let me send that back to you too. Those two, please. Thank okay. you. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoy the content, please subscribe to our channel or podcast so that you can get notified of all of our future episodes as well. If you'd like to apply to work with us so that we can help you in a similar way, feel free to reach out to our team at www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. The street is abbreviated to ST, so it's wallstmastermind.com slash apply. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode. Interested in discovering how you can get personalized one-on-one coaching from Wall Street Mastermind to help you beat out the massive amount of competition out there? Head on over to www.wallstreetmastermind.com apply. And the street is abbreviated to ST, so it's really wallstmastermind.com apply. And our team looks forward to speaking with you.